What is going on? My name is Taylor, and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you are. Team, family, stars of my life. How are we? How are you? Yes, you. Specifically, right now, I care about how you are. I really do. I could tell you all day about how I am. Things in my life are great, but also a bit wild in a mild, wild kind of way. Mostly, I'm spending a lot of time working on myself, facing some of my issues, have a lot of things that I have to work on. I actually have a joke with my Patreon subscribers that if I had a dollar for every time I said, I need to work on that, we would have already funded season five. (laughs) But I feel like it's much better for me to be dissecting and facing all the things that are negatively affecting my life rather than ignoring them, right? I mean, come on, working on yourself is a good thing. Lately, I've been trying to find balance in my life, or should I say, regain it. Uh, I've talked to my therapist Every single time we talk about balance and how important it is for me and for my life. It's literally the first thing she brings up in all of our sessions. How are you doing with balance? She'll always ask. And lately, the answer has been not well. Um, I was off balance and in a position where I was working a ton and not taking care of myself nearly enough. But now that I've identified that, and I mean, I have identified it before, but this time... I feel like I really just sat myself down, told myself that clearly this whole balance thing is not something that I can let fall to the side. I have to do it. I need to have it so that I can do my best work for all of you and show up for myself and the people in my life. So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm working on right now. That, aside from who knows, has been my main focus And it's not easy. (laughs) Sometimes I forget and I have to go back to that balance. But as I said, with another dollar in the jar going right in there, I'm working on it. And that's all I can ask myself to do. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get this party started. Ha! I want to start by giving a few shout outs to a few more of our amazing Indiegogo contributors, people who are making this season possible and have helped launch Who Knows into a bright new future. Today, I want to give a shout out to Casey M, Rachel S, Kirsten B, and Shalay P. Thank you all so much. You are amazing, and I am so grateful for you. I also want to give a shout out to the amazing and talented and wonderful graphic designer that brought our new branding to life. Y'all, what do you think of it? Isn't it the cutest? Claude is the cutest thing ever. I love him so much. Emily Le is the woman that made it all possible. She is a queen. She is one of the kindest people I have ever worked with in my life. And I am so grateful that she was able to make this new branding possible. It is truly the mark of a new era for us. It's awesome. And I want to give a big shout out to Maria, who is the one that created our portrait that we've been using to represent who knows since 2018 and inspired our new branding. I'm just so lucky to have so many talented people in my life. I couldn't be more grateful for that fact. So a huge thank you to Emily for our new look and to Maria for the portrait that will forever be a part of Who Knows History. All right. It is time for our topic breakdown, where we hear from the mind of a mental health professional about the subject of this week's episode. To fully understand the emotions behind any subject, I think it's important to consult the professionals. While conversations like the ones on our show are valuable and important in so many ways, to gain the best insight on mental health, therapists are here to help. And as you know, we have one, and I'm so excited about it. So let's start off with what the topic is for this week. It is... Codependency. Codependency is one of those things where you think you know what it is and what it means, but apparently there's a whole other way of thinking about it and you had no idea. And surprise, you're apparently a codependent person and you didn't even know it. At least that's my story with it before I met our guest. And codependency is something that I just became aware of, like, in this way. 
in 2020 when someone in my life mentioned codependency and I was like oh yeah that's when someone can like never be alone and they have to always do everything with someone and they always need people around them and they can't do anything for themselves it's like that's not me I do things for myself all the time I don't have a mental breakdown every time I'm alone but apparently there's so much more to the definition of codependency. And again, I just learned about this and I'm still learning about it. But I think that if I'm just learning about it, that there has to be other people out there who don't know about it. And I think it's a huge, important thing that needs to be talked about in the mental health space. And so before we get into this conversation, I would like to hand the mic over to Jessica Sheriff, our resident mental health consultant and an amazing therapist, to help us break down the topic of codependency. Okay, codependency. Before we get into it, I want to offer a trigger warning for those who may be sensitive to topics such as addiction, types of abuse, and childhood trauma. There will be mentions of these in the discussion around codependency, so please, please, please take care of yourself as necessary. In terms of a definition, codependency is an emotional and behavioral condition that influences a person's ability to have healthy, mutually satisfying relationships. Now, codependency doesn't only refer to romantic relationships, but includes any relationship in which one person is dysfunctionally dependent on the other person. So this can be with a friend, partner, sibling, parent, coworker, etc. Codependency is a subconscious programming that develops as a child in a dysfunctional family system. Originally, codependency was identified as a disorder while studying interpersonal relationships in families of addicts. However, now, our idea of a dysfunctional family is simply one in which its members suffer from fear, anger, pain, or shame that is ignored or denied in their immediate family environment. Some underlying problems may include addiction, physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, or the presence of a family member suffering from chronic mental or physical illness. A child growing up in this type of environment where there are high levels of reactivity to other family members who are dysfunctional in themselves learns to repress their emotions and ignore their own needs. It is impossible for a child to feel safe and secure in these circumstances and ultimately impacts their ability to develop a sense of identity. This abandonment experience as a child then manifests as an adult as someone who can't be in healthy functional relationships, meaning they struggle to identify their emotions, to set healthy and necessary boundaries, and to make their own decisions that truly honor themselves in relationships with others. So just to connect some dots, a person who was abandoned as a child, either emotionally or physically, then abandons themselves as an adult by taking responsibility for the feelings and shortcomings of others. This other person in the relationship, often referred to as the enabler, allows this to happen without even realizing, or in some instances, even capitalizes off of the self-abandonment, which we see in those with narcissistic character traits. In terms of treatment and recovery, therapy for codependency focuses on current and past relationships, as well as childhood trauma that may be contributing to codependent tendencies. Similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, there is Codependence Anonymous, or CODA for short, that is a 12-step recovery group for people who are codependent. I want to add that codependency occurs on a spectrum and can be quite nuanced because it is a subconscious programming forming a pattern in relationships. The best thing to do is to educate yourself about codependency, take an honest inventory of the relationships for red flags in your life, be introspective, and seek to understand your own childhood programming. Of course, talk to a professional if you need help accepting and taking accountability of your own emotions and behaviors. All of these will help you learn more healthy ways to approach relationships in your life. I am in awe every single time I get to hear from Jessica. She's amazing and she really knows her stuff in every aspect. And 
I'm so grateful to be able to learn from her. This is just a small example of what an opportunity to speak to a therapist might be like. If you feel like you might benefit from talking to a mental health professional, don't be afraid to seek one out. They have dedicated their lives to helping you live yours in the best way. It's amazing and it's so helpful. Huge thank you as always to Jessica for breaking it down for us before we get started. I am so excited and grateful to have her here as a member of the Who Knows family. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at Jessica Sheriff, and I'll have all of her places and spaces linked in the show notes all season long, along with some great sources for places you might find your own therapist. All right, so who do we hang out with this week? This week, we are talking to Joe Westwood. Joe hails from Nottingham in the UK, and she is an all-around badass woman in so many ways. She's an intersectional feminist who deeply believes in the importance of using her privilege to uplift those who need to be seen and heard. She's out here sharing herself and her story, not just in the spirit of embodying her personal strength that she has found within herself, but she's using what she's been through and learned in life to help others. She is what she calls a recovering codependent. And codependency is what her work is based on. She's educating people about what codependency is and how to spot it. She's an author and a life coach who has created a program called Lovingly Fierce, which helps people break out of their habits of codependency to live more confidently. She is the codependency coach. Joe is here to clue us in on exactly what codependency is, how she discovered it, what made her want to begin this work, and honestly, to help all the codependents out there get a little bit of a wake-up call. Trust me, every time I listen to her speak or read or anything that she puts out there, I find myself thinking, well, shit, yep, that's me. <laughs> um, and I could not be more excited to have the chance to hear her story and learn from her. So here's Joe Westwood and I talking about codependency. I want to offer one final trigger warning for the topics of addiction, abuse, or childhood trauma. While we like to have conversations about the tough stuff on this show, we care most of all about you taking care of yourself. So please make sure you do that over anything else. We love you and your health is more important than any podcast episode. Joe, I am so excited to chat with you. I have to tell you, this is probably going to be my favorite story of the whole season. So I found your Instagram and I knew immediately that I wanted to talk to you. And I was like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to slow play it. You know, I don't want her to think I'm weird. And then just out in the open, in the comments, you were like, have me on your podcast. And I was like, this girl means business. She's ready. She's willing. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get people to come on the show. You told me you wanted to be on the show. Um, and I'm so, so grateful for it. Oh, Tony, you're so sweet. Look, this is all part of my persona as a recovering codependent. I'm just very direct. I know what I want. I know my boundaries. I can ask for what I want and need. And I was like, I saw you at a podcast. I'm like, why aren't you asking me to be on your podcast? What's wrong with you? It's so funny. I was trying to play it cool. I just know this entire interview is going to be the same way as I look at your Instagram. And I'm just like, she's calling me out, man. She knows everything that you say is so real about codependency. Codependency is something that I feel like I am just hearing so much about more now because I always thought that codependent meant that like somebody like couldn't do anything for themselves and they like had to have somebody do everything for them. And I was like, well, I can do stuff on my own. I'm fine. But like newsflash, my like deep love of helping people I am starting to realize is maybe not what I think it is. I have a friend who introduced me to codependency and like she was the first one that said this is a thing and then I found you and I was like okay this is like really something that needs to be really talked about more in the mental health space because it's kind of a big deal. It feels like it almost hides in plain sight am I right? 
Oh, for sure. I love that you said, yeah, it hides in plain sight because codependent behavior has become so normalized in our society in general, and particularly for women. Yes, women are traditionally the caregivers and like it just sets you up for that to be something that you're just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to act. And there are definitely a lot of times that I can look back in my life now that I'm aware of it and I see that it's been part of my life probably for as long as I can remember. And I'm curious where you're journey started with codependency? When did you discover it? When did you realize that something was wrong? When did you just really start digging in? Where did it all begin? Yeah, so I mean, I had repeated patterns of codependency throughout my whole life, had quite a classic codependent upbringing, which I mean, now with hindsight, I can see that it was a classic codependent upbringing. At the time, I just thought it was totally normal. So I talk about having a kryptonite area of codependency. So something that people sometimes say to me is, oh, I had a codependent relationship. And I'm like, no, babe, you're codependent and you had a relationship. <laughs> like codependency affects everything about you and all areas of your life. It is you your, so much of your sense of identity, your sense of worth, it really just is who you are and it bleeds into everything that you do. But we all tend to have what all of us who identify as codependent tend to have one area that is like our kryptonite area where codependency shows up for us in a kind of bigger, badder way than anywhere else. And for me, that's romantic relationships. And that's very common. The two most common areas are romantic relationships and work. And then after that, like friends and family relationships. And so since being 13 and I, I am almost 35 now. I have pretty much been in relationships my whole life with very little space in between, but sometimes with crossover, very common again for codependent people to have crossover, to have somebody on the back burner because we desperately need an anchor in another person. So it's really difficult for us to even conceive of the idea of being single, being alone. So we always kind of have to have a safety net in another person. And so, yeah, I had had boyfriends all my life from being, 13 up to when I met the person who became my husband. We met and married very quickly and that was a dysfunctional relationship. He is narcissistic and codependent. Didn't know these things at the time. Didn't realize that was what was happening and that was the dynamic that we were creating together. But it was the fact that we got married that kind of made me really dig in and look at what was going on. I always say, you know, nobody gets married because they want to get divorced. So I think in past relationships, the same patterns had been repeated but I just left because we didn't have that extra layer of commitment it was like this just isn't working anymore I feel drained I feel exhausted the magic isn't there the spark isn't there whatever and I would just leave because it was my marriage it really made me dig in and look at what was going on because I had made this commitment like I got married I meant it and I went to a counsellor who I think was probably very unprofessional but I will always love her for it she gave me the greatest gift within 10 minutes of walking in that room I told her what was going on she said you're married to a narcissist and you need to make a plan to get out at that time I think I was like 29 she just blew my mind and then she kind of very quickly switched to that's what's going on but we need to work on you and I was like no 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 I haven't done anything wrong it's all on him so I spent a good few months just going deep dive on narcissism researching that blaming my partner mostly internally sometimes externally and I kind of had to exhaust that avenue first and then when I'd kind of exhausted all of that research, that's when I finally realized that what the counselor said was correct, that I was never going to change him. And it was about me and what I could do to change my behaviors and what it is about me that is allowing and accepting this type of behavior and these patterns in relationships over and over again. And I don't even really know how I came across codependency. I guess it was maybe through the research around narcissism because, you know, narcissists and codependents like fit together like a hand in a glove. They're just magnetized towards each other. So it was probably through that. And that's when I went to Codependence Anonymous, which is a 12-step program derived from Alcoholics Anonymous. So there was a Codependence Anonymous. So that's how I started my recovery journey and really started to understand what codependency was. At that stage, I'd already been a coach for a very long time. I'd done a lot of self-development work on myself in lots of different ways. And so I think by the time that knowledge came in for me, it was almost like I was primed. I was so ready. I'd been doing this work for years. That 
that was really the key that I'd been looking for because that affected so much of my life. And it was the one thing that I just didn't have that I just didn't quite understand. And that unlocked so much for me. So when I got that information, when I understood codependency, it was like, yes, it just like sank in like so fast for me and made so much sense. And then when I look back, really, I had been working with clients who were codependent for a long time in my coaching practice without having the language for it. Codependency is really just coming into broader consciousness now in a much bigger way, you know, particularly online, on social media, there are a lot more people out there speaking openly about codependency, actually using that language. But, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it wasn't common knowledge. The only people who really knew about codependency were people who were kind of in like addiction and recovery circles. So anybody who's been to Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon will know the term codependency, but it wasn't common knowledge out there. And I think it's the awareness is growing now for sure. That's kind of like my journey with it and how I came to understand it. And then as I understood it more, that's when I really started to bring it into my work. And now it's my main focus through my coaching practice is helping women or people, but you know, the guys aren't coming forward. So women to recover from codependency. Yeah. Hopefully the guys will come forward. I'm sure they're out there. There are a few. There are a select few. There are so many women that are like, yes, let's talk about our feelings. We don't want to close it off. Hopefully men will come forward. But I also just want to say that like, that's an amazing story in so many ways. And I think one of the biggest things when I read your story and reading about the fact that you married a narcissist, for anyone that doesn't know about narcissistic tendencies and people who are narcissistic, it can be pretty scary to be around somebody who is like that. Not to mention being in love with somebody who's like that or under the impression that you were going to spend the rest of your life with somebody. And you, in that scenario, as somebody who's codependent, from what I understand, you are going to spend all the time figuring out what can I do to make them make it better? What can I do? Like, and trying to do all the things. And the therapist that you spoke with did say like, you had to do some work on yourself. But the fact that she was like, you have to get out of there. That's a big step. Like I have been with my partner for six years and we've known each other since we were 13. We're still not ready to get married because that's a friggin' like, that's legal. What was it like to have somebody who had only known you for 10 minutes tell you that you needed to get out of your marriage? Did you ever have any inclination on your own that you shouldn't be in the relationship anymore? Or was this the first time that you had heard somebody say it to you outright? So you've known your partner since you were 13. You've been together for six years. I just met this guy on the internet and married him after eight months. Met in January and married in August in the same year. Oh my. Where were you at at that point in your life? I didn't realize that it was like that quick. That's very common, actually, with codependent people and particularly with narcissistic people. Narcissistic people need to get you locked down very quickly because what they present to you in the beginning is a mask. It's not real and they can't maintain it for a long time. So that was perfect. Even you just saying that is terrifying to me. And as like somebody who wants to trust people, knowing that there are people out there like... Yeah, it gives me the chills all the time when I talk about narcissists and like the way that they behave the things they do. I mean, also that worked for me as a codependent person. And here's the weirdest thing is I have never been the marrying type. I mean, your listeners, I'm sure go look at my Instagram. You'll look at me and you know, I'm not a traditional person. I was not a girl who was like scrapbooking my perfect wedding when I was six. That was not me, but I just met this person and there was something about us that we just drew each other together so quickly and so strongly in such a powerful way that a similar story probably could have happened with any of my previous partners, but it was really like the dysfunctional stars aligned for us. And so that's why it kind of happened so quickly. It was my need for an anchor and for that security and feeling like I just met this person who was like my ultimate soulmate, my perfect match. I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I just lock that down? And the same for him. He was like, I found the perfect source for me, like narcissistic source. Why wouldn't I lock that down. You asked me, were there any signs or did I have any inkling that I shouldn't be in the relationship before the counselor told me that I needed to get out? Honestly, there were red flags before we even got married, even into that short space of time. And this is why I always say to codependent people, slow down. That is one of the most important things that you can do just generally in life, but especially when it comes to dating, because had we had even waited 
lasted another year, our relationship wouldn't have lasted. We wouldn't have lasted past a year. So there's no way we would have got married. I mean, it's fine because that's what needed to happen. It's put me on this incredible journey. And I honestly, as hard as it's been, I wouldn't change it. But yeah, there were red flags before we even got married, even within eight months. But I think because codependent behavior has been so normalized, because I'd seen this pattern over and over again, I honestly just thought that that's what straight men were like. And I also had a good friend who is also a self-identified codependent, also married to a narcissist. We got married at a similar time, although they had been together for a much longer time before they got married. And then we also got divorced around a similar time, which was great. We're like little divorced twins. We went through it together. And I remember sitting and having a conversation with her and saying like, why do guys put in so much effort in the beginning? And then it like tails off and it drops off as you go through the relationship. It doesn't make any sense. Put in less effort in the beginning and like build it up so that like by the time you've been together for like 10 or 20 years, you're like at peak effort. And that's the way to keep me. That's the way to keep this relationship great. But we'd just been in relationships throughout our lives where it was the classic love bombing phase in the beginning that you get with someone who's narcissistic and that you accept and that you love as a person who's codependent. And then they start to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw steadily throughout your relationship. And then before you know it, you're a year or two in and it's a one-way relationship. It's just you making all the effort, all the love, all the affection, everything that kind of hooked you in, in the beginning stages has gone. And all you're desperately trying to do is work to get that back. And I think you also asked me, what was my reaction? The counselor was like, you need to get out. Honestly, I remember it was fear and paranoia because I knew something was wrong, like desperately wrong. And I hoped it was fixable. And actually I had asked my husband to come. She was a marriage counselor and she did couples and individuals. And I had asked him to come with me and he refused, which you will recognize if anyone who's listening, if you've been in a one-way relationship. And I'm obviously really glad that he did, but it's like, I knew there was something so wrong and I hoped that I could fix it. And I felt like, honestly, I probably was on the brink of leaving or I was kind of almost readying myself to leave if it couldn't be fixed because I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't fulfilled and I didn't sense that it was going to get any better the longer I stayed in it. So I think maybe we'd be married around 18 months at that point. And it still took me another 18 months to actually finally leave the marital home and start the divorce proceedings because it was a real shock. But the initial feelings were fear and paranoia. I remember I didn't want to go back into my house, into our home together. I felt like he knew that I knew now. I felt like I was married to a con man to the point where I was, and this was like just my mind running riot because somebody had put words to everything that I was feeling. I think in the similar way that I do for my clients with codependency, all these confused, stressful, chaotic feelings that I was struggling to understand, this stressful, confusing dynamic that I had with my husband that I was struggling to understand. Someone had just identified it, then just put a name on it. She understood it. She could see it so quickly and it all made complete sense. And it was like, everything just like went and like slotted in all of a sudden. And I was like, holy fuck. And my mind was just running wild. Like I thought there were cameras in my house. I mean, for no reason, it wasn't that level. Some people are married to people who are at that level of narcissism. But I was like, what does he know? Now he knows that. Is he now going to know that I know this? Is he like tracking me? Is he watching me? So that first week afterwards was awful. I was so on edge. I did not know what to do with myself. So yeah, that was kind of a wild journey. I think as it started to kind of settle in and I started to realize, okay, this is just something that I need to process, understand, integrate and find a way through. That's when I kind of calmed down, started to figure things out a little bit, started to do my own research, started to realize that I wasn't alone, started to realize that this was actually quite common and started to move out of the feeling of shame of potentially getting divorced and having a short marriage, you know, being divorced by the time that I was 30. Like that was one of my, the instant feeling that came up for me when that counselor said to me, like, you need to leave him like guttural like shame that rose up in my throat and I am not somebody that's been brought up to feel like divorce is a shameful thing my parents before they met were both married to other people and divorced we're not a religious family so there's nothing around divorce no messaging that's ever been given to me directly but that was like fuck 
fuck, I cannot do that. I even started to negotiate with myself. Maybe I could stay in the marriage for like 10 years and that's a reasonable amount of time to be married. And in the meantime, I'll just fulfill myself and my work and my friends and my dogs. I'm like, you know, the thing that really turned it around for me, Taylor, the question that turned it around for me was, will your 60 year old self thank your 30 year old self now for the decision that you're making to stay? And like 60 year old self was like, hell no, get out. You are young and beautiful and vibrant and full of energy. Please do not exhaust me by staying in this relationship with this person. Please do us a favor and get out ASAP. Who gives a shit about how long your marriage was, about what age you got married and divorced? Get out, live your life. This story is, in my opinion, a classic example of like somebody, or maybe not a classic example, because to me, you had to make a really, really huge decision and fight what are people going to think? What am I going to think about myself and do something for you? And it's interesting because I've started to notice it's quite difficult to make a decision that's for your own good, which doesn't make any sense because it should be easy to say, I'm going to do this for me because I want to be happy. And I personally, as a codependent, I make almost all of my decisions, even that are for my own good, based on what somebody else is going to think and how somebody's going to react and what the perception is going to be of something that might not even exist. There are celebrities out there that are famous that have been married for like a week even though there's all this evidence of like this is going to be a good decision for me or like there are other people doing the same thing it can be so difficult to not only apply yourself to those standards and say like I also deserve this but also to actually take the action to do it working on yourself is a so 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 difficult which is why so many people don't do it and removing yourself from a situation especially when there's like love involved or like the perception of love like one of my biggest like my I guess my kryptonite as you said for me has always been friendships I would say that like romantic relationships is like right up there behind there but like man if I haven't said no to something just because my friend told me I shouldn't do it even though I wanted it anyway like if I had a dollar for every time I've done that like it's tough to make decisions for yourself and like it shouldn't be yeah I just think that it's amazing that you pulled yourself out of that and not only that you pulled yourself out of it, but you want to help other people pull themselves out of those difficult times in their life because you've been there. You have been in that low place or you've been through what you see other people going through. You know that there's a better way. And like, sometimes I wonder if like how much I want to help people is part of like my codependent behavior because like that's one of the biggest things when I look at your stuff about like how you overgive your time or money or attention to people. I do that all the time, but I like doing it. But then there's always that point where you're exhausted. But I'm like, I can't be exhausted because I love doing this. What is that? What's the deal with that? Which is wild, really, because I think I'm sure that people who are tuning into this show, you know, certainly have like a level of self-awareness. They're interested in all this stuff. They're interested in working on themselves and being introspective. And we know that there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Yeah, you can get burned out on doing something you love. Like you might love playing a sport, but if you have to play it for eight hours a day, every single day, you're going to need some time off. You're not going to enjoy it anymore. You might love being around a certain person, a friend or a partner but if you don't get a break if you don't have some time off if you don't get an opportunity to miss that person yeah it's not gonna work that is such a thing as too much of a good thing and so I think that's where there's that like misaligned logic that kind of comes in when we're codependent and we convince ourselves to just keep going and going and going and exhausting ourselves and feeling resentful that's why my program my work is called lovingly fierce because and this is like a real kind of big broad argument I guess much bigger even than codependency but the worlds that we live in the hierarchical capitalistic society that we live in teaches us that it's all based in binaries it's all yes or no good or bad male or female it doesn't want transience it doesn't want fluidity it doesn't want people to be able to move between ideas and have gray areas in life and the reality of life is that it's mainly fine lines nuance and gray areas 
areas and that human beings are complex and we hold multitudes and we can hold conflicting ideas or we can hold two seemingly conflicting ideas or ideas that we can be working with like different things going on within us like all the time you know and it's like I see it in with like binaries when it comes to like sexuality and gender and all of that there's a real faction of people who are really stressed out by the idea that there might be fluidity among those things for some people and it's exactly the same with like the work that I do in codependency you can be loving you can be a loving kind generous caring giving person which like all my clients in my community are and I don't want to take that away from anybody and you can be fierce and you can have your values and you can stand up for what you believe in and you can have boundaries around those things and that's actually a way to be kind and giving and loving in a more sustainable way because if you're giving to the point of exhaustion and resentment there's a point at which you're going to have to cut off that love and that giving and that generosity or you might be giving it to the wrong people and again like you're going to find that you're burned out you're going to have to give up you're going to have to cut that off and so actually it doesn't work then you become someone who has to withdraw into yourself by feeling like you can only be one way and that you can't hold those multitudes that you can't be both loving and fierce both kind and generous and boundaried you actually don't get to have either I like almost started crying because I feel like you just like gave me permission every week when I speak to my therapist she says how are we doing with balance how are you doing because everything that I do I always feel like it has to be one way or the other I'm told all the time you see things always only one way or the other I just turned 28 and so I guess I'm starting to like think back on like how much energy I had when I was in like my teens and early 20s and now I like try to give the same like vigor to every single thing because I I'm just like you know everybody who listens to the show knows like I am just like full on full force ready to go all the time go 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 I'm always the loud one I'm the big personality but like now that I'm like really digging into my into my emotions and digging into myself I'm realizing that like I cannot give my all to everybody and give my all to myself but I don't want to only give my all to myself and not give my all to every and you know vice versa and like it's so true that everything that we do I even wrote down like one of the things that I wrote down when I was thinking about this episode was like we have created a codependent world in the sense that so much of how we function requires us to be approved in some way like yes or no right and wrong like it's so there's like the fluidity of existence is like people are literally terrified especially when it comes to like gender and sexuality like that's like one of the biggest ones but like I think it trickles into everything every single thing that we do is approved or not approved or all or nothing yeah I mean it seeps into you know something that's very common that a lot of people experience outside of gender and sexuality which is not something that everybody kind of aligns with some people like feel very solid in those expressions for themselves and like that's great for them that's how they feel but like I think something that affects so many of us living in a capitalist society is productivity versus rest yes I I'm struggling so hard this week because I don't have as much energy as I did last week. And I'm mad at myself about it. Literally, my friend had to tell me yesterday, she was like, you need to celebrate the fact that you can rest. Like rest is a good thing. And our constant feeling like we need to be productive is like a product of the society that we've created. And again, it's another thing where I know those things, but it's so hard to apply it to myself, you know? Yeah, it's like, imagine the concept that you are a human being, like an organic organism, not a machine. The fucking irony is that we pay more attention to machines. We understand that if you work a machine and you never maintain it and you don't give it a rest and you don't service it correctly, it will break. Nobody drives a car every single day for miles and miles and miles and then doesn't fill it up, doesn't get it serviced and doesn't expect it to break. And yet we do that all the time with our bodies and with our humanity and with the way 
way that we give. And we expect that we can just, you know, we can never rest. We never play. We don't fuel ourselves properly and we won't break. And then we beat ourselves up for it. And it's crazy. We need to understand that we are fluid beings. Some days you'll be full of energy. That's awesome. Make the most of it. Some days you'll be less full of energy. Awesome. Make the most of it. Take the opportunity to rest, knowing that you will come back. And I think, you know, a lot of recovery work that, you know, I deem my work through codependency to be recovery work and anybody that's done any form of recovery will know this. Recovery work is really about kind of acknowledging that about yourself. It's very holistic. It's about developing self-trust as well. Because when you really truly know yourself, when you really value yourself, when you have a very good sense of self-worth and sense of your own identity, you can trust yourself. And when you trust yourself, you can rest because you know, well, this isn't forever. doesn't mean that I'm lazy. It doesn't mean that because I'm pausing, I'm stopping. I'll be fine. I'll get up tomorrow or I'll be back to work and to my usual energy levels and productivity next week. It's fine. This was something that I really had to reckon with when I separated from my husband because I went from building a business and living in our marital home to living in a shared house. So I'm like 29 going through a divorce and I'm living with all these people who are fresh out of university. So I moved into this place for six months and I took a break from my coaching work, from my business. I got a job because I just needed to rest. I needed consistent income. I needed to not listen to anyone else's problems for a while. I needed to figure out who I was, where I was going, what I was doing. And I was also advised to get um, a salary job by my divorce lawyer. And so that's what I did. And there were moments when it was terrifying because I really like went into my shell. And there were moments where I wondered, is this it for me? Is this what I do for the rest of my life? And I just had to sit with it. I came off of social media. I hung out with my friends. I trained for a half marathon and I went to Tallinn in Estonia and ran a half marathon. And that was awesome. And I had a great time. I traveled. I went on holidays. I earned a good salary. I ate a lot of takeout and I just rested, honestly, for six months. And then I guess it was like a slow unfurling after that. But it took me that time. And yeah, and it was scary. And sometimes I wondered if I would ever come back to who I am now and doing what I'm doing now and actually being brave enough to be online and tell my story and run a business and help people. There was always like this tiny light that I could see. And I kind of just focused on that. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think this is me. And I just have to trust. And so that was like a big reckoning that I went through. And I just kind of want to share that story. You know, I don't talk a lot about the kind of details of the timeline of my separation and divorce and all of that stuff like I'm happy to do it but it's not something people ask me about that often but I just want to share that because if anybody else is going through that kind of phase in their life right now where they feel a bit lost or they're going through a transition period and they just need to like take a step back I just want you to know that it's okay the world still turns it doesn't stop it's never too late your life isn't over because you need to take a pause you need to rest you need to reassess. You don't need my permission, but I want to just give you that permission and that validation that it's okay to do that. And actually, sometimes that's the most powerful and productive thing that you can do. Because had I have not done that, I certainly wouldn't be where I am now doing the work that I'm doing, being as successful as I am at it and just completely in love with it. This is amazing. Like what you are offering here is something that like I think that so many of us need to hear not only about the idea of codependency as a whole but I think that it is very important to be transparent and real about the low moments as well because so much of what we see in life especially online because that's like all we see now is what I like to call the and this is me now nobody ever talks about what happened before that you know And I think that offering that story and being transparent about those moments is something that people don't need permission from what other people are doing to allow them to feel like they can do something. But there is so much inspiration to be gained from people that are offering that kind of inspiration. It's important to offer the stories of the low moments and the realities of what it takes to get to where you are now of sharing not only your story, but just sharing codependency and being a part of that conversation that is so important to be having. What kind of emotions do you feel like? What does it feel like to, you know, shed a light on codependency? How does your work make you feel? You know, you had that moment where you took a step back from coaching. You saw that you wanted to come back. What 
are those emotions that you feel that not only made you want to come back, but get you out of bed in the morning every day to keep doing it, to keep encouraging people to work on themselves. What does that feel like for you? It's just like pure joy and fulfillment for me. I joke about this all the time, but like I talk about this all day, every day, and I never get bored of it because I love giving people those moments of realization. I love giving people that empowerment, that freedom. I love it when I see a client have a breakthrough because the way recovery works is like you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. It's hard it's hard it's hard it's hard you think nothing's happening it's kind of like when you train physically you like show up at the gym every day for like three months you're like fuck nothing's happening nothing's happening nothing's happening and then you just look up one day and you're like my body looks totally different and it's exactly the same with recovery so this is what happens with my clients is like I can see the shift in them they can't always see it for themselves because it's incremental and they just feel how hard it's been I get the joy of like looking on like a doting parent and being like oh, I see your progress um, I <laughs> see how you're improving and then one day they just they make a different decision they leave a relationship that doesn't work for them they ask for a raise at work without feeling guilty about it and they get it they put a boundary in place with a family member that they've never been able to do before and it works for them and they're like oh I'm recovering I'm like yes 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 <laughs> and like that is just so fulfilling for me so I love the whole journey I love seeing people have the realization getting the understanding what I really love is the moment of relief actually that happens for a lot of people when they realize that this isn't a million different things that's wrong with them because that's what codependency makes you feel like it makes you feel very confused and like there's all these different things going on and then they talk to me and I'm like yeah that's all just codependency these are all just effects of codependency and when they realize that it's like oh it's manageable oh I can do something about it I'm like yes welcome Yeah, it just really lights me up. I cannot imagine doing anything else. I just love it so much. And just to make sure that everybody knows, like, what is the definition of codependency? And what are like classic signs for like anyone that's listening now and is like, oh, is this me? What's the rundown of that? The way that I describe codependency is that it is an addiction to validation from outside of yourself and to dysfunctional, often one-way relationships. It affects all areas of your life. So it's not just about romantic relationships. Some of the key kind of markers or behaviors of codependency are um, overgiving of your time, energy, resources to the point of exhaustion and resentment, struggling to identify your own feelings without somebody else first giving you some guidance on it. So, you know, that can be as simple as like, what takeout do you want to eat tonight? Or like, how do you feel about this relationship? Do you actually want to be in it? And unless you've got someone directly kind of feeding back to you or like someone to bounce off or someone who's guiding those thoughts and feelings, you can't really identify them. And then obviously really struggling to express those feelings, really struggling to communicate your wants and needs, which is otherwise known as not being able to put boundaries in place and then certainly not being able to maintain boundaries. So allowing people to overstep your boundaries all the time very common traits of codependency. Another thing that's really common, particularly in romantic relationships is caretaking and infantilizing partners. So taking like so much, and this is what I call manipulating with kindness. So actually kind of taking so much control of a partner's life. And the reason that we do that is then because we need to feel needed. So when we feel needed, we feel valued, we feel worthy. We feel like this person is never going to leave because we've kind of infantilized them so much that how is their life even going to operate if we're not in it of course we're exhausted and we feel resentful and frustrated because we're not receiving anything back from them instead of expressing our needs we're manipulating with kindness hoping that we'll do so much for them that they'll kind of realize how fantastic we are and give us something back of course that doesn't happen you have to ask for what you want to need sorry guys we don't live in a disney movie how could she say that to me everyone who is listening right now is gasping because i'm a huge disney fanatic literally joe you're calling me out i knew this was gonna happen this is all me and like the Disney thing just did it for me I I grew up with Disney and like everything was like a beautiful song and dance and it's really not Disney's so toxic. The classic Disney movies are so toxic. Like, give away your voice and being a beautiful mermaid for a man. Sell your freedom for a beast that lives in a mansion. Some of my favorite Disney princess movies are Brave and Moana, like the ones that are not about a man, where it's not all about, like, pleasing another person. It's just empowerment. Absolutely, yes. Like, the ones that we grew up with are real bad. Some of the new ones are brilliant. Love Moana. I'm having a moment where I'm 
like, oh no, like I really have to face some of this stuff. Basically everything that you've described is me. I'm hoping that like there are people out there who are hearing this and are like kind of having a little bit of a realization as well, because like, I think, I mean, you'll obviously agree, like you cannot sustain living that way. Like I am such an over giver. I want to give, 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 give to the point of massive exhaustion and sometimes resentment. And what you were saying before about like, if I can just do everything, like then they'll love me. Like I'll just do all the things. And like one of my biggest problems is I don't want to ever do anything wrong ever because what if I do something wrong and then they don't want to be around me anymore and then I'm alone and then I have to be by myself. Like all of this is me. That really speaks to the peace and codependency around how we derive our sense of worth from doing rather than being because that's quite often mistaken for being a perfectionist which is quite often perceived as something that's a positive because we're not machines we're not robots we're human beings we are fallible we make mistakes we're fluid we're imperfect we fuck up we get tired we can't read minds we don't do everything perfectly all the time and yet when you're codependent you derive so much of your worth from doing that it has you doing 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 overworking overworking because if you can just get it perfect then maybe people will love you enough and never leave you and you'll be safe but of course that's never possible this is literally like how I live my life and one of the things that's so difficult and like as somebody that's codependent how can I possibly do the work that I want to do with being a mental health advocate and helping other people like do you ever have any fears with doing your codependency work that like the codependent in you is like negatively affecting your work like do you ever get caught up in your head when you think it because I mean like as somebody who is talking about mental health all the time like and also struggling with my mental health at the same time some days I'm like am I cut out for this like am I the right person for this like do you ever have fears when you're doing this work that you you know because you are codependent but you're helping people not because you know what I'm saying the only thing that I get sometimes is like a bit of like fear and nervousness right before I hop on a call with a client because my work is client-led and so my clients fill out an intake form before each session that we do a little bit different with group work so I do some group coaching sessions as well and I in that I really don't know what's going to come up and even sometimes people fill in the intake form and actually they did it two days ago and something's happened since then what they bring to the call is going to be completely different and so I don't know what I'm going to deal with from one moment to the next obviously I deal with a lot of common themes but in people's specific situations I do not know what's coming and quite often the way it works with a client as well is like we start off with surface level stuff and like a few sessions in boom trust has grown or maybe something has been revealed in them and like they throw some like real curveballs and I am very privileged to get to know the real kind of deep inner workings of my clients lives and quite often hear things that they've never told anyone else before it is such an honor and a privilege to hear that stuff and also like can feel a little bit scary because it's like I want to get this right I really don't want to fuck this up I want to be able to give you what you need and I want this to be successful I want this to be a successful process for you and so there is like sometimes a little bit of a fear of like I hope I can do it (laughs) but I think through my recovery work and also just through practice through showing up consistently in the work that I do in the the content that I put out for my clients I've built that level of self-trust where I don't think I've come across a situation yet that I feel like I can't handle or that I don't have a way forward for I can't find a way forward with my client we can't co-create that together I just have to kind of take a breath the fear is anxiety it's a fear of something that hasn't happened yet and actually hasn't happened before either (laughs) so it's just total bullshit and it's about just taking a breath because anxiety is like so I term it as anyone who has a Mac you know like the rainbow wheel of death that just spins and spins and spins and you know like that's it you just have to close the Mac down because it's not doing anything anxiety is that like above your head if you can imagine that and then I just have to take a breath drop down into my body and get into that place of self-trust of like but you are good at this you do know what you're doing you have the experience part of the reason you're so good at what you do is because you've been through it because you are a recovering codependent and like my clients always say to me you're in my head how are you in my head I'm like because I'm codependent bitch (laughs) 
I'm recovered enough that I can see my own shit and I'm kind of in a safe enough spot where I can help other people through the stuff that I have been through and sometimes still go through. I would very like openly say that like I'm not in a position right now where I have confidence in myself every day. The only thing that gets me through and makes me do my work is that deep down I feel so much pain and I don't want others to feel that pain. But I'm starting to realize that like in order for me to do my best work, I need to work on my pain too so that I can better have the space to help people and that is like from what I've learned in this last hour like is like a classic like I'm over giving and not giving to myself which is like part of being codependent. Yeah, I love the space that you're creating for these conversations. And it's also really important that we continue our own healing because from our place of healing, that's how we can help others because the best way to teach is to demonstrate. So it just wouldn't make sense for me to help people from a place that I felt that I hadn't, it's not like perfectly healed, but that I didn't have a level of recovery from. And I think then the fact that I'm still consciously doing this work, I'm still on this journey, helps people to know that like, yeah, I'm a human being. I'm not, you know, Moses on the mountaintop preaching down to you. I walk this journey alongside you. You might feel like I'm ahead of you, but I'm honestly only a few steps ahead. I can turn around, reach my hand back and touch your hand. You can get to where I have gotten to. And that's how I know it's possible. And definitely like me being a recovering codependent really helps me do my work. Because again, if you're my client, you know this. I always say like, been there, done that, got the codependent t-shirt. I know how your mind works. So when when I give you some homework or a suggestion or a way to reframe, I know the immediate thought that you have and I can address that too. So I know where your resistance is going to come in. I know the bullshit story you're going to tell yourself. I know the excuses you're going to make. I know the way that you're going to try and circumnavigate the recovery and just do the codependent behavior instead. And there's no judgment because the reason I know it is because I've done it. It's not because I'm not somebody who's read about this as an abstract concept in a book. I'm some Someone who has lived it and continues to live it. And so I know you, I am you, I can preempt that stuff for you. And I can give you that level of accountability and that love and that humor and support you through it in that way, instead of me kind of preaching to you, or it just being an abstract concept that I can't really get my head around. And I, you know, I read about it at some point when I was at university, I get it. I know where your brain is going. I know how you operate. I know how you want to avoid the work. I know what you want to do to resist this. I know that your codependency doesn't want to die because it's a coping mechanism and it kept you safe when it needed to keep you safe. And now we can do something different. Oh man, Joe, I am so grateful that I took a chance and commented on your post and you ran with it in all of your glory and was like, let's do this because I feel like I have not only, you know, gotten to talk to somebody who has a wealth of knowledge, but I kind of feel like I've made a friend too, because we're both out here like trying to just want to make people's lives better and walking along with them which I think like you said is so important to not only just show the this is me now I can help you but like we've been there and like we're going through it and I'm just so grateful that you took the time to talk to me and everything that you offered is amazing oh that's awesome thank you so much Taylor I've really really appreciated the conversation today it's been so fun Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be literally discovering codependency for the first time ever, or maybe you too feel a tad called out and are ready to accept that you might be a little bit codependent and have some stuff to work on. In which case, welcome. I'm right there with you. It's okay, and we'll get through it. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Don't let anyone convince you that you shouldn't talk about your feelings. They're valid and important, and sharing your feelings might help another person have the courage to share theirs. If someone in my life had not talked to me about codependency, 
I would have never had the chance to talk to Joe and I would have been thinking that there were all these millions of little problems that I needed to work on. And really, like Joe said, a lot of them reside in the world of codependency. So while I still have a lot to work on, lots of dollars for that, I need to work on that jar. It feels a lot easier to start knowing that I'm not alone and what I'm going through is something that others are going through too. We're all in this together. Codependence. You're out there. We've got this. We can figure this out and we can find our happy. Alrighty, people of the world. If you want to stay up to date with episode releases and see cute pictures of cats, my cat, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Who Knows Pod. We're also on Facebook at Who Knows. We feature pets on our Instagram story every day that we release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your little baby, plants included, send us a photo over on our Instagram and we will feature your pet. You can also visit our website at whoknowspod.com. Go check it out. All the new branding is up. It's beautiful. And if you want to send us any questions, we can answer them on the show. Tell me how you are. Remember in the beginning, I was like, how are you? Send me an email and I will read it. That email address is taylor at whoknowspod.com. The best way to support us is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know the drill. And tell your friends. Tell everyone about the show. We want to grow this community and we need your help to do that. Go on over. Apple Podcasts. Who knows? Leave a review. Five stars. Taylor is so cool. Do it. And to support us even further, become patron for as low as $1 a month for access to exclusive content to help the show get better and better. You too can track every time I say I need to work on that and calculate how much money we would have if we actually got a dollar for it. But seriously, the Patreon is awesome. You'll get access to all the things that are already there, lots of stuff, and all the new stuff that's going to be coming out pretty much every single day. Oh yeah, I'm so happy because I'm a gummy bear, gummy bear. I don't know why I felt like I needed to sing that, but I'm glad that I have the space to do it. And I wouldn't have this space to sing the Gummy Bear song without you. So thank you for being here. And as always, who knows who's out there? Maybe they're a Gummy Bear. But I love you, and thanks for listening. Gummy Bear! This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich, and edited with the help of my very good friend, Kirsten Bowman. Thank you to Jessica Sheriff, our resident therapist, for providing us with our topic breakdown. Our music is written and performed by the Isaac Kyloff Project. Codependent. <laughs>